You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. At the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit, executives from leading brands will share their success stories of the numerous ways they have innovated to grow their franchises. Attendees will gain insight and inspiration to help them be more progressive in every facet of their businesses. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to our first podcast of the new year. We promise you won't be disappointed. I am, of course, QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Editor Shelley Whitehead, your Sherpa through the next 15 minutes, during which we will have a one-on-one interview with Delhi-based brand Schlotsky's, now known as Schlotsky's Austin Eatery, about that brand's coming of age from single sandwich, early 70s, wild child deli, to super trendy and Austin all over brand. Shara Kanzler is in the house, and you know what that means, right? That's correct. All things fast casual. In fact, in this case, all things in that website's new report on fast casual's up and coming brands in the 2019 Emerging Brands Study. Hello, Shara. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Let's get started with this. I want to hear all about it. Please. Tell us about the the report and how you did the research to come up with these 20 innovative concepts. Sure. So we always do the fast, casual, top 100 movers and shakers, but we wanted to add a little something this year to recognize maybe some of the smaller brands that aren't quite ready to you know, make it to that top 100 list. Um, so we decided to take a look at some of the most up-and-coming brands in the industry doing all kinds of innovative things when it comes to menus or technology, just a little bit of everything. And we kind of rated um, what we thought were some brands that people need to really pay attention to. And we just, uh, there wasn't really a lot of scientific research behind it. It was just some brands that our editors have been writing about, have been hearing about. And so we, you know, kind of dove in and went down the rabbit hole and came up with these 20 brands. Oh, are there any common traits among these innovators when it comes to things like leadership or culture? Yeah, sure. I would say that I would, most of them I would call disruptors. They might have different menu items or different service models, but they're all doing something a little bit different. Um, there is, you know, there's a burger brand on the list. There's a couple pizza brands, but for the most part, also, um, the other ones really are looking at more of the healthful halo, you know, farm to table, more healthy, you know, choices. There's a lot of Mediterranean concepts. So they, they do have a lot of commonalities, but you know, they, they're, of course, people still love their burgers and their pizza as well. Were there any real surprises in the work you did to uncover these top 20 or just well, really thought, in the brands themselves? Yeah, it's mostly it's mostly just in the brands themselves. Um, you know, some one that stands out to me was uh, one called Mutt's Cantina, and it's basically a dog park and a fast casual restaurant. So I thought that was cute. Okay. People can bring their dogs. <laughs> they can order food for themselves and their dogs. The neat thing about their business model is that they're not only selling, you know, their food, but they're also selling membership. So that's just another way for them oh, to cool. get people to keep coming back because you kind of have to have a membership to, you know, let your dog play at the park. So that was one interesting uh, concept that we thought was really different from any other brands around. I love that. I'm going to have to borrow a dog, but or demand equal time for cats, I guess. It would probably not work as well. 
<laughs> yeah, a cat on a leash. That might be. I mean, I've seen it before. It's kind of sad, but <laughs> you could probably get away with it. What? What? what the, are there any brands, dishes, or dish that you most want to try as you did this research? Oh man, they all looked so good. But uh, one that stood out to me was called Grandpa Mac, and it's just a mac and cheese fast casual where you, you know, get to put anything you want basically on your mac and cheese. And so I, I could have, I could eat there all day, every day and uh, be a happy girl. And just variations on mac and cheese. Yeah. And oh. Yeah. Anything you want. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going to have to, we're going to have to be speedy with this interview, Sherry, so we can go, go cook up some mac and cheese of our own. I know, um. right? <laughs> there was another brand there that was pretty cool that uh, I think people will find interesting called Chicken and Whiskey out of Washington, D.C. And it's a Peruvian chicken restaurant, but actually part whiskey bar. So, I mean, what's better than chicken and whiskey? So I, I think that's a definite one on my to-do list next time I'm in D.C. What is Peruvian chicken? <laughs> I'm not real sure exactly, so we're going to have to check it out. It looks delicious, though. It's basically braised chicken, I think. You can get it kind of at, in a quarter or a half a whole and then, um, you know, some sides and has like sweet, they, they sell like sweet plantains on the sides and Caribbean coleslaw. It, it just it looks really good. Oh, gosh. Uh, another another country to tour and the economy tour of the world. I'm just wondering, you you know, I know the, the focus was on these smaller brands, and I'm just wondering, is that kind of a key necessity to be an innovator, or can big brands innovate, or what can big brands learn from these guys? Yeah, I think anybody can be an innovator, but it's definitely much easier when you're smaller, because you don't have to cut through all that red tape and get everything approved. Um, but I think big brands can learn from these smaller brands, too. Um, these new menu, you know, these innovative menu trends that they're coming up with and also just models. You know, we had a, a couple of um, brands on here that were really looking into, you know, robotics or centralized kitchens. So it's not just your standard, you know, restaurant anymore. And big brands could do that, too. They could save, you know, a lot of money by going in that route. So it was just a very fun list, and you know we're really excited about watching how all of these brands continue to grow and thrive in the industry. So much creativity. It's, it's always fun, and it all sounds delicious, too. Thank you so much. Where, uh, where can folks find the report? You can just uh, download it at fastcasual.com, and it's a free report. So we hope people would love to uh, come check out all 20 of the brands. And it will wet your whistle and your taste buds, I guess, at the same time, just like this interview has done for me. I really appreciate <laughs> exactly. in to tell us about all this. And, and thank you all to, to all listening. But please hang on, because after this quick break, we're going to come right back with Shlotsky's Austin Eatery President, Kelly Roddy. Many of the fastest growing and most successful chains in the restaurant industry are embracing innovation throughout their operations. These forward-thinking brands are constantly looking for the next innovation. New technologies, new menu items, new marketing tactics, new training programs, etc. that will propel them to even greater heights. Come and learn these innovations at the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. 
right now, let's get to our interview guest today, who in this case happens to be Kelly Roddy, president of a brand known for most of its life as Schlotsky's Bakery Cafe. But over the next six months, that will grow into its new branding as Schlotsky's Austin Eatery. Welcome, Kelly. And wow, what a project you're overseeing to take this, what, 50-year-old brand, almost 50-year-old brand, and give it a new approach. Can you tell us some of why you and the leadership team opted to undertake this rather hefty endeavor and when you started? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks, Shelly, for you know taking time to hear our story today. I, we're super excited about where the brand is today. Uh, I know it's a, a bit corny to say, but we're actually going back to the beginning. And Austin is the home of Schlossky's, and a lot of people don't know that the brand started there 1971 with, you know, one small sandwich shop on South Congress. And if you've been to Austin, Texas, it's a very cool part of town. And it was pretty much a, a small, almost walk up. It, it seated 19 people at the time, oh, but goodness. today, if you put all of our current equipment in there, it would probably seat zero people and it would be a walk-up window. Uh, and it's actually occupied by an ice cream store that's actually a walk-up ice cream store today. And so we made one sandwich, one size, but you know, what we, what we realize is that, you know, the brand is approaching 50 years old and how do we continue to make this brand relevant? And how do we continue to make this brand grow as, as the world of food changes, right? And so the brand has evolved tremendously over the last almost 50 years. And, you know, we started with that one sandwich, made a, a sandwiches every day, and we closed the doors whenever we ran out of, ran out of uh, bread every day. <laughs> well, obviously, our, our menu has expanded. Our hours have expanded. You know, we have, you know, a tremendous variety today from sandwiches high high premium sandwiches. We have pizzas and flatbreads. We have sliders. We have tacos. We have pasta. We have pizzas. And we, you know, the menu is has expanded tremendously. And in the new concept, we even have beer and wine. And so, man, we've come a long ways. But we've evolved along with, you know, the food industry, the palate of the customer, and quite frankly, uh, Austin, which is where, where where the brand was born and bred, right? And so, you know, we did some research and looking for ways to make the brand relevant. We did we did use uh, an outside source to help us do the research, point us in the right direction. But what we realized is we really should embrace the the past, which is where we started and what's inspired us along the way. And it's that Austin spirit of originality and the Austin street food scene. And it's inspired us all these years and we just didn't really realize it. But now we've decided to own that and go back to and just say, you know, remind people, hey, we are an Austin eatery. We we evolved the way we did because of the inspiration that we got from that street food and the eclectic builds of food, the bold flavors that you see in, you know, the Austin like street food scene for sure. Austin has got it all right now. You know, it's almost become like a a, a strange kind of national anthem to keep austin weird the whole country's behind that <laughs> yeah and we've always kind of been there so we're really you know we're just embracing that and so 
we went through this process of, you know, we, we vetted it with, we brought in millennials and actually Gen Zers and Gen X and boomers and said, hey, what do you think of this concept? Oh, I bet uh, that was fun. So like, it was actually, it was actually really, because we didn't know what to expect. And yeah, in Austin, we could see it playing well. When you take it to other cities in Texas and then outside of Texas around the country and you do these screenings and you see that people really connect to Austin and whether they've been there or not, they definitely have a perception of Austin and it's a good perception. You know, when, when asked, you put a Schlotsky's Bakery Cafe on one end of a center and you put an Austin Eatery on the other end of the center, which one are you going to go to? Out of 10 visits, which one are you going to go to the most? And in every single panel, they said they would go to the Austin Eatery nine out of 10 times because the food uh, they felt like would be better. And they would go one out of 10 times to the uh, bakery cafe because it wouldn't be as busy and they were in a hurry. So <laughs> that was that was quite telling to us that they thought it would be the food would be better and it would be more relevant. And so. So we decided to go build one of these things. We and we built the first one intentionally, not in Austin, Texas. We built the first one in Duluth, Georgia. Wow. And of course, you know, the 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 guests responded really well to it. And we built the second one in uh, Atlanta. And then we didn't build our we built we didn't build our first one in Austin until I think it was probably the ninth Austin eatery was the first one that was actually in Austin. So what so kind of time frame or time curve between that first restaurant in Duluth, Georgia, to the next restaurant, to the next restaurant? How do you kind of pace um, it? So the first, the first restaurant opened literally with researchers on the ground interviewing guests and deciding what was important, what design elements were important, what things on the menu resonated. Um, obviously looking at the sales mix. We had already come up with what we thought would be like uh, an improved design. We tweaked it a little bit. We had the second one open within six months, and then we probably built the next six within the next probably two months. Is that right? So you really kind of almost solidify what you want to be as you go along and so you can move more quickly. Yeah. That's so what I mean, this was something that we were really fortunate to be able to do is because we did have some company stores. We were able to go and we were able to go and take what we thought would be the key design elements and the key menu items and test a whole lot of different things. And so those next so we built the first one, built the second one, made a few changes. Then we tested the next six were all a little bit different from each other. Yeah. And then we got feed, we got feedback on those units, and then we came up with what we what was now our final design. And so, um, and so then we basically, in about March of this year, everything new that we opened opened as an Austin eatery, and then now we're in the process of, and then everything going forward is opening as an Austin eatery, um, and what is uh, going on now is stores are starting to remodel, and then. Uh, what's really aggressive is we're going to convert entire markets. So we'll go in and re-image and convert entire markets starting in January of this next year. We'll go into a, a large market, take Houston, for example, where we have nearly 50 restaurants, and we'll convert them all in about an eight-week period. Holy and, cow. 
and uh, you know, and then turn that market on as an oscillatory market, and then go to the next market and the next market. What are the logistics of having to do that in a two-month turnaround time in such a large metro area? Uh, how it's do you big. get boots on the <laughs> ground, so to speak? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's obviously pre-planning. So, you know, you have to go and negotiate with a vendor that's willing, and there are vendors, you know, there are companies out there willing to do this, right? They, they and they are able to, to go and find painters and contractors on the ground. They may use multiple people, put projects managers on the ground. Uh, we basically scope all the stores ahead of time. Um, and we, you know, place orders ahead of time. Uh, you ship containers of literally paint and materials into a market, and then they take them from store to store and put the new paint, the new graphics, the new signage, the new menu boards, and they send crews in and they overnight uh, transform the stores, you know, and they go basically from store to store and they'll spend a few nights per store just doing paint and graphics and signage. Uh, mm -hmm. And if it's a more extensive project, like they're covering a patio or painting the exterior of the building, then those, you know, may take a couple extra days. But you can do a pretty big transformation. If it's a full remodel, it takes a couple of weeks per store. And some stores are, some stores are older and need a complete remodel with new furniture. Some stores are fairly new and just need, to, you know, paint graphics and new signage and menu boards. So, so you've got how many units to convert over what? period of time for the rebranding rollout? Most of the restaurants will have 200 converted by in the first half of the year. Um, so that'll bring us to a total. We'll have 50 by the end of this year. We'll have 250 by mid-year next year. We'll have right at 400 by the end of 2019. So we're not going to see much of you next year, right? <laughs> well, this whole team, this whole team is focused on this. And so the big project is converting restaurants and menu. Uh, we're also converting packaging, uniforms um, as well. But another big initiative of, uh, of ours at the same time is to really transform our service model. And that is really, you know, we, we, you order at the counter and you bring food to the table, but it really enhancing that to the people who bring the food to the table know more about the product. They can tell you about the product and they may say, hey, here's your sweet and sassy slider and made with King's Hawaiian bread. Or, you know, they may give you a and tell you about the ingredients. Here's a here's your original made with fresh from scratch uh, sourdough bread that we made just this morning. So, they'll you know, it's enhancing the, the storytelling of the brand and the um, you know the the storytelling of how our how our um, ingredients are built. You know, with 13 ingredients, um, it is uh, also letting every single customer that comes into our store, every single guest, will be told, uh, "We're glad you're here," because we know there are a lot of other choices out there, and we want to make sure that they know we we know that, and we're glad you chose us today. And we think that is something that everyone wants to do, but no one really does it. And so uh, when you go into our restaurants, you go into our Austin eateries today, um, hopefully you'll be told, we're glad you came in today. We're glad you chose us today. 
Who doesn't tire of that? (laughs) I would love to have somebody, everybody just tell me that all day long. Well, I I tell you, Kelly, I can't can't wait to see and particularly taste the transformation. And it's been so fascinating to hear kind of a replay of how your team got this whole unwieldy rebranding ship off the ground. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of people listening here at Restaurateurs are not only identifying with you, but also learning a thing or two from your experience. So please accept our thanks for taking time to come on the podcast and really best of luck and best of sales for the brand moving forward. Well, we appreciate it. And thanks for letting us tell our story. So that's our show this week. Please come back again next week when Taco Bell Vice President of People and Experience, Jorn Erland, drops by to talk about that brand's employee recruitment programs. And until then, get a great start to the new year and have a terrific week.